Hello and welcome to the fifth episode of the In Their Twenties podcast, a web series where we interview the most influential leaders from various industries and ask them what they were doing while in their 20s. This series is hosted by Michael Holmes and Landon Campbell. If you would like to see the video version of this podcast, make sure to check us out on YouTube at In Their Twenties and make sure to give us a follow on Spotify so you are notified when a new episode is released. On today's episode, we are interviewing Dr. Aaron Spitz. Aaron is a world-renowned leading men's health physician and also author of a new informative and hilarious men's health book, The Penis Book, A Doctor's Complete Guide to the Penis. Aaron is also well-known for his appearances on the show The Doctors and his appearance in one of the most popular documentaries on Netflix, The Game Changers, which also starred Arnold Schwarzenegger and was produced by James Cameron. In our interview, Aaron talks about his journey to medical school and his passion for comedy. Let's find out what advice Aaron has for students and professionals in their 20s. Our first question for you is, what was the biggest risk you took in your 20s? I'd say the biggest risk I took in my 20s was exploring my passion for stand-up comedy. Stand-up comedy was something that I always just loved growing up. The great stand-up comedians were really the greatest entertainment I ever enjoyed as a young person. And I got a little taste for it in college when I was on the debate team where I had a forte for what was called individual speaking competition where you were to give a extemporaneous speech for five minutes immediately following uh, being issued a topic to speak on. And it was a competition with other students from other schools. And usually the funny speech won. And so I had a knack for that, uh, just sort of naturally, and found myself winning these uh, tournaments from time to time. And then I learned that one of my competitors, who was a very strong competitor, was actually doing stand-up comedy. And I thought, wow, you know, I that was just sort of some sort of a pipe dream. And now it looks like it's maybe attainable because somebody like me is doing it. So I decided to pursue that the summer before I started medical school and then continued it through the first year and a half of medical school. And that was a risk because medical school is very challenging. It demands a lot of time and energy. So does stand-up comedy. And the 30 to 40 hours a week I would spend on stand-up comedy in the summer and then maybe the 15 to 20 hours I spent during the weeks of the school year could have been spent on my uh, pursuit of my MD and trying to ride both of those rails was a risk, but it proved to be a worthwhile risk. I did not exit medical school and go into a stand-up comedy career, but the passion that I got to uh, cultivate and the skill sets, frankly, that I cultivated as well, served to uh, not only keep me happier and, uh, and more joyful, but were able to be folded back into my career later in ways I wouldn't have expected, but in ways which turned out to be very practical and very beneficial. So it was a risk, but there was certainly a reward. Once you're in an industry, your passions outside that industry can help influence and even project you higher within that industry. How you said your comedian career has actually helped you get medical information across in a easy to learn and
and rapid way. So um, I was suing throughout your book and when you go on uh, the doctors, um, your comedian experience is helping you get that information to a larger body of people who may not have been able to consume that information had it not been in an easy to understand uh, medium. And then, you know, and there are a lot of examples where people add their personal elements to the field of medicine, and then it takes them in very interesting directions. I've, I have classmates, for example, who were very entrepreneurial, and they use their MDs to move into directions that were completely not clinical. Um, uh, one of my classmates started the most important app for finding the proper uh, dosing and, uh, um, and um, administration for medications that would tell you, you know, what the dose is, what the uh, interactions with other medications were, it was called Hippocrates. And so he joined, he was a classmate of mine in medical school. Then after a year realized, you know what, I really want to go entrepreneurial. Got an MBA at Stanford and then uh, founded this company while he was a student. Uh, another classmate of mine was a chief resident at UCSF, which is the highest position as a resident you can obtain. And then within a year or two, uh, felt that um, he would like to do something in the dot-com world. And then uh, he moved on to become um, a principal in a private equity fund in charge of all the medical investments. Uh, Another classmate has founded a, a, a national app that pretty much all doctors use to communicate with each other uh, uh, and others um, in, in you know, medical uh, professional capacities. And the list goes on. What is your advice for students and young professionals in their 20s who have these two or more passions and you know, they each take a lot of time and you know, they're really curious to find how to budget you know, time there and time there? I think that's a great question, and I think it's a question that even I, at this point in my life, still attempt to refine the solution for. I think that multitasking is required in some instances, but in others, it is not, and it becomes a liability. I think that there are no end to the great ideas that intelligent and creative people can come up with, but it's really relatively few that they can execute. And the reason that is, is for a variety of constraints. Some people can execute an amazing number of ideas and other people will execute one or two. But that's fine as long as it's well executed. And I think the key is to decide where your strengths truly lie at that point in your life because things will change as you grow older. And what I call are seasons for different pursuits. There's a season of your life where one kind of pursuit is more uh, realistic and easily obtainable, and then a season in your life where another kind of pursuit becomes more realistic and easily obtainable. Everything doesn't have to happen in a particular year or a particular decade of your life. There is time for things to unfold. So rather than try to pursue all of your ideas simultaneously, Think about right now, the skill sets you have right now, the potentials you have right now, and the tools you have at your disposal right now, which is the best one or two to pursue. 
and focus in like a laser on those and then be ready to pivot because you might find that what you thought was a passion for you or what you thought was realistically obtainable either really isn't as interesting as you thought, doesn't captivate your attention as much as you thought it would, or the tools and the resources at your disposal really aren't sufficient at this time, but there's another avenue you can take. So be ready to focus, but also be ready to change and adapt when you need to. As a young person in your 20s, how do you distinguish good advice from a mentor uh, versus advice that you maybe you know, don't need to follow? Well, that, that is a very interesting question because you will get conflicting advice. I was able to observe my mentors uh, in a variety of uh, capacities. I could observe them in a classroom, the nature of their ability to communicate and impart information. Some, some teachers are very good, some are not as good. But I was also able to observe them in their patient-doctor relationships. What is their bedside manner? How do they relate with other human beings who are vulnerable uh, in a radically different kind of environment than the classroom? Then I was able to observe their performance in the operating room. What, what were their uh, surgical skills uh, and what were their talents? And I was able to choose advice from mentors that really were a whole package. I had some in, incredibly uh, renowned, talented, world famous uh, physician mentors at Cornell University Medical School. Some of them uh, may have had uh, a philosophy or um, a communication style or interpersonal skill set that maybe didn't quite mesh with mine and others were uh, really resonated or, or really lit, lit me up and said, man, uh, that is an incredible person. I would like to be like that person. And so part of the reason I became a urologist, which is a, a profession that most people in their 20s don't even know what that is, and I certainly didn't when I entered medical school, was because the people I encountered in the urology department, which just so happened to be perhaps you know, the number one or two department in the world at the time, um, had that combination of intelligence and skill and interpersonal skills and, and uh, communication. And that's perhaps the greatest reason that I went into that field was because of the people I encountered uh, in that specialty. It was really just uh, kind of an interesting coincidence of circumstances that landed me in that uh, movie, The Game Changers, which has been, uh, I believe, the most viewed documentary on Netflix. The way I got involved was because the producer of the film, or co-producer, James Wilkes, who is the central uh, person in this documentary. The documentary centers around James Wilkes' experience. He is a mixed martial arts champion who uh, was injured and during his uh, recuperation period in an effort to find the absolute best way to recover and to get back in the game, came across literature about vegan diet and its effects on sports performance and pursued this uh, with a very deep dive into the literature and then adopted what he learned and had a pretty amazing recovery and then discovered that there were athletes all over the world who also had uh, learned this information and were utilizing it for their athletic advantage. Well, it just so happened that James Wilkes lives and works in the same community as I work. 
and his family physician or, or not family physician, but his, his uh, primary care physician happens to be a very close friend of mine. And so when James got the idea that he would like to make a documentary about uh, veganism and athletes, he went to his doctor to see if his doctor could give him some information about it. And his doctor said, well, I don't know a whole lot about veganism, but my friend, Dr. Spitz, is a vegan and has been promoting uh, uh, vegan diet to his patients. And I'll qualify that by saying that I, I, am, uh, I, I eat mostly vegan meals. I, I am not a pure vegan, but, but most of the meals I eat are vegan. I am a little bit flexible when it comes to you know, friends and uh, going to somebody's home or um, you know, on, a, on a vacation or what have you. But nonetheless, um, I have been promoting a vegan diet to my patients for many, many years. And at that time, I had shared that information with my good friend, Dr. Sunshine, and he was interested in hearing the information but had not adopted uh, that, that approach because dietary science is um, uh, controversial in many cases, and there's so many different diets uh, coming out of the press all the time. But he remembered and he referred James Wilkes to me um, we had a phone conversation. James uh, explained that he was interested in creating a documentary about veganism and athletes. And I explained to him that I am a urologist, so I specialize in men's health, primarily sexual and reproductive health. He thought that was very interesting and that at some point he'd like to circle back around to me and ask me some questions about it. But right now he was sort of kind of getting his, his game plan together. And he was literally a man with a handy cam. And that that's how it started. Um, well, about a year or so went by and he called me up and he said, hey, I haven't forgotten about you. I'm still working on this. I said, great, okay, you know, I'm, I'm here for you when, you, when you're ready. Then, uh, then I think a couple more years went by. Uh, and then he called me up again and said, hey, uh, I'm ready to interview you. And I was like, great, I, you know, I, I didn't know if you were still doing this. And he said, oh yeah, lots happened since I talked to you. Uh, James Cameron is now an executive producer. Arnold Schwarzenegger is on board. Uh, and he just starts listing all these people and all this incredible stuff going on. And I just, I was amazed. Uh, and so when he came to interview me, it was two large white bands filled with equipment and people who had traveled from literally all over the country. You know, a, a cinematographer from you know one part of the country, a sound guy from another part of the country, you know, very very elaborate film crew in my office. And uh, we did this two hour interview where I, you know, used my best uh, television persona to give good information about male health and everything. It was, it was something I'd done many times on television and, and that was that. And I said, okay, when is the movie coming out? I said, oh, we got about two more years of filming. We're going all over the world, filming these incredible people all over the planet. And I was like, okay, great. And then a couple of years went by and then he called me up again. And he said, hey, um, we wanna do like a different kind of a scene with you. And I said, um, okay, cause you know, I had done this great interview. Why, you know, why would they need more? And so it was a very radically different kind of a scene. And um, what it involved was trying to demonstrate if a single meal could affect your erection, just one meal because they had done a scene, they just got done filming a scene with the Miami Dolphins. 
where they showed how a single meal affected the cloudiness or clarity of the blood of some of the players before and after, like fried chicken versus uh, a veggie burrito. And I, as a urologist and an expert in erections, said, nope, can't do it. Erections is an old man's disease primarily, uh, and it's a lifetime of meals, and I really don't see how we can show that in a single meal effect like what you did with the Miami Dolphins. But he was persistent, and he brought various literature to my attention about this, that, and the other with uh, the effects of uh, uh, molecules in food on blood flow and uh, flow dynamics and erections are all about blood flow. And so at the end of the day, uh, after many days, in fact, he did convince me to try an experiment. And so we did. We tried an experiment to see if a single meal would affect erections in young college athletes. And that's the scene that I am in in the movie. None of the two-hour interview I did a couple years before made it at all, all on the cutting room floor. Uh, but uh, it turned out to be uh, a very uh, interesting, exciting, and, and humorous scene. And I won't reveal any more so that if people viewing this haven't yet seen Game Changers, they can enjoy it when they watch it. I love that story. <laughs> it's really, really cool. Uh, thank you for sharing. And I'd love to even you know, tie this back into In Their 20s um, in the sense where that all began with your relationship with Dr. Sunshine. And, and we became friends in our 20s. You know, th this is a great example of the little bit of time we could carve out that was just personal time. It wasn't the grind of being an intern. We did. We would have barbecues on the roof of the hospital uh, when, we, when we had a few downtime hours. Uh, we would just do wacky fun things to just catch a little bit of fun and stay kind of human uh, in the grind of it all. And that forged a really important friendship that uh, we have had all these years. We went our different ways. He actually transferred to a different program, became a sports medicine specialist. I ended up going to New York, uh, Houston, you know, uh, and then by random chance, I ended up coming back to a position in the same town where he ended up coming back to position. And by random chance, we live three blocks away from each other. It's crazy, but, but those, those, uh, the time we spent to have a friendship in our 20s has served us as colleagues uh, throughout the rest of our career. Thank you for listening to the In Their 20s podcast. For a full video version, please visit our YouTube channel. And for more information about Dr. Aaron Spitz, please visit our website at inthair20s.com.